Thank you all for being here. Today we continue the lesson that was begun last week, and we will continue it one more week, have a third week discussing this topic of baptism. This is a topic that should unite the Lord's people everywhere. There is a simple teaching from Scripture, and when there is a simple teaching from Scripture, it should be one that unites us and not divides us. And people need to not take a very simple teaching and try and make it complex in order to suit whatever agenda they have to make Scripture, to twist it to their need and their desire. Scripture should speak for itself, and uh, you test it according to other verses, not according to what you think it should say. So today we are turning back to the passage that we were dealing with in detail last week, Acts chapter 22, verse 16, where it says... Now, why do you delay? And by the way, this is Ananias speaking to a guy named Saul who has pers- had been persecuting the church. And he is told, now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. The sound, you read this verse, it sounds very simple. It's an instruction. Hey, if you... One will have your sins washed away. You need to be calling upon his name. So get up and go be baptized. Be immersed. And, and we can equate, relate that with other verses that you be immersed into Jesus. Be immersed into Christ. Be immersed into the body so you can be added to the body of Christ. It all is happening. At one time, there is a point where Paul, excuse me, Saul at this point, is going from an unsaved person to becoming a saved person. A person with sins to becoming a person having his sins washed away. This is the moment of salvation that is spoken of here when Paul Saul calls upon the name of the Lord and washes his sins away. So, we went last week and discussed this passage from, uh, as it says here, uh, BKC. This is the Bible Knowledge Commentary. I am sticking only with comments from the Bible Knowledge Commentary today. Um, And we're going to go through and just relate a few more things from from this. Last week we considered this first question. The commentary says, there are two questions about this verse. First, when was Paul saved? On the road, on the Damascus Road, or at Judas' house? He continues, several factors suggest he was saved on the Damascus Road. So I'm going to say, I don't think so. So there's a little bit of a lead-in, but we considered this. Notice one thing. I didn't point this out last week, but as I was looking at this again, trying to be critical, um, but also very, um, very kind. I don't want to be critical without being kind, without actually taking into consideration the argument that's being made here. And I want to point out one thing that they say in the... Bible knowledge commentary is, first of all, they use this word suggest. Several factors suggest. So is there intent to prove anything? No, they are going to say that there are some things that suggest. And so I think we'd have to consider this. There are several factors that suggest he was saved on the road to Damascus. Number one, the gospel was presented to him directly by Christ. Galatians 1 11 through 12 are pointed to as evidence or supporting reference for this, not later by Ananias. 
So I would, I would ask you to consider, and I talked about this last week at length. First of all, Galatians 1, 11 through 12 does not indicate that he received his, all the instruction for his, his teaching, the full gospel. He did not receive that at Damascus. He, was, he did not come away from the road when he had the vision of Christ. He didn't come away from that moment, which doesn't seem to have lasted very long. He didn't come away from that moment being able to write down all of Romans. He did not have that teaching. He could not have penned the letter to the uh, the Corinthians, the first letter or the second letter. He couldn't have done that. He couldn't have written Galatians at that point in time. This was all revealed to him over probably, and I would suggest it's just a possibility for you to consider because it all fits together over a period of three years while he was having revelations while he was in Arabia as Galatians 1 11 and following suggest. I would ask you to consider, though, that there's another, because they present this as two possibilities. Did he receive the gospel? Um, Was he taught the gospel by Christ on the road? Or was he taught the gospel by Ananias? And when I say taught the gospel, taught what he must do, a lot of people would say he was taught by Ananias. It doesn't say it there, but obviously Ananias talked to him about baptism and what it meant. Well, I would ask you to consider that in uh, Acts chapter 7, there was a guy named Stephen who gave a full presentation of who Jesus was. And he ended up getting put to death for it, for that presentation. And who was standing there witnessing his death? There was a guy that were laying their hand. The, the ones who were stoning him were laying their coats at the feet of this guy named Saul. That's when he was introduced. He had, he had likely... I can't prove this, but I, I, as he's standing there watching Stephen being stoned, I can't imagine that he hadn't also witnessed this entire sermon by Stephen. So did Saul know the gospel? Did he know who Jesus claimed to be? Did he know? I would, I would just say, well, maybe he had heard the gospel presentation a few times while he was going about persecuting the church. He definitely heard it. I would say he definitely heard it. I've got to be careful my words, don't I? So unlikely he didn't hear that message from Stephen. Had to have heard that message. I got to be careful though. Um, he heard that gospel presentation by the one that he ended up saying, "All right, put him to death." I'm sure he heard the gospel message by get presented by several others. So number one, I would just contend that, he, that there is this is just a suggestion um, by BKC, um, and I don't. Can, I don't go with it. I don't believe it. I don't say that it's that they have provided any proof to say this. They haven't proved their case. Number two, I don't think they proved their case for this one. He says already in Acts 22.10, Paul said that he had submitted in faith to Christ. We looked at this verse last week, Acts 22.10. That guy on the road to Damascus, Saul, when he was told, go to Damascus, he said, oh, okay, you know, he did it. So he submitted to that instruction, but does there any indication that that instruction saved him? Or did he just go to a town where he was going to be told later what he must do? And that's what the Bible says. This point that is given here is saying, they make it sound like, well, he obeyed Christ, therefore he was saved in Acts 22.10. He was saved on the road because he actually went to the town. Well, I would say, if you go back and read 2 Kings um, chapter 5, wait a second, or is it 1 Kings? 
Um, it has to be Second Kings. Second Kings chapter five. There's a passage about Naaman. Naaman was instructed to go to uh, this prophet that was in such and such city down in in um, in Israel, and he went to that prophet. And he obeyed what he was supposed to do. Go to the prophet. Um, that prophet told him, go to the river Jordan, be dipped seven times, you'll be cured of your leprosy. Now, Naaman didn't say, I've already obeyed. I should be healed already. I came down to see you. I should be healed. But, and he eventually went to the Jordan River and dipped himself in that river seven times. When he was... When he had obeyed and done what he was supposed to do, he was healed. Was he healed at any point in time before then? Did he have some kind of obedient faith, what he had submitted in faith? He had obeyed the instruction, right? So why wasn't he healed the moment he obeyed the instruction? Because he actually had to do what the instruction said. Go and dip. It doesn't make sense. If he had been healed before he actually did what he was supposed to do to be healed. So anyhow, Acts 22.10, just because Paul obeyed the instruction to go somewhere, doesn't mean that he was healed of his sins, healed of his old life and all that he had done, healed of his guilt. That is not. That doesn't happen until he's told what to do later. I would ask you to consider that. Um, I'd ask you to consider what they say. Maybe, maybe they're true up here. Consider it. You got to look at it. You got to consider. That's fine. But go back to scripture. And what does scripture say? What does scripture show? Now, number three, they said Paul was filled with the Spirit before his baptism with water, according to Acts chapter nine, verses seventeen and eighteen. You can go back there and look. It does not say that. It just simply does not say that. You look at the verse. Consider what it says simply. It doesn't say what they contend here. And number four, they went into this point about the that Greek word could be translated one way or the other way. It could be simultaneous with, so the, the action could be simultaneous with or before that of the main verb. So it's one or the other. Every translation decides to go with this idea that it is simultaneous with. Translations do that in general unless you want to find a couple of outliers. Now, notice their, um, uh, so they present this fact that uh, baptism uh, happens after somebody is called on his name. And I just say if you look at the verse, it doesn't, doesn't indicate that. You've got you to figure out the, simple, the simplest way to understand that verse. So now let's go on to um, new material. Oh, well, here we go. I already kind of said this, but no point, none, of one, none of those four points is proven. There are simple other ways to look at those verses, even in more ways than what they even suggest. And number two, don't make the simple complex. This is just general in your Bible. Don't make a simple teaching. Don't try and make it complex. If you have a very simple teaching that fits with the whole of Scripture all the way from the Old Testament into the New Testament, and it seems like this understanding, which is very simple, it fits, go with the simple. Go with the simple meaning, which fits with the overall context, in particular for the, the idea of baptism. It fits with the, what is taught in the New Testament. 
That was the first question. So today we address their second question. Um, Second question says, what then do the words, wash your sins away, mean? Do they teach the question that salvation uh, comes by water baptism? Do they teach that? Do they teach those, those two, two questions are wonderful. What then do the words wash your sins away? What do they mean? And do they teach that salvation comes by water baptism? Uh, Keith, can you go double check the door and make sure it's all right? Okay, thanks, Ryan. Um, so, again, these questions are very important. Do they, does the Bible teach that salvation comes by water baptism? Because, notice what it says here. Because Paul was already cleansed spiritually. See comments in preceding paragraph. Do you see that? So, all right, so now they're going to establish some very important doctrine that's based upon what they said in the previous paragraph. And I look at the previous paragraph, and I could just say there's some very simple ways that you can say those four points don't work. And you even acknowledge that those are only suggestions. They are not definitive. And so now you're going to make a clear statement. You're going to say that these words, because Paul was already cleansed spiritually, see comments in preceding paragraph, these words must, whoa, 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 wait. Before you were honest and you were saying suggest, you're not even going to say suggest here anymore. These words must refer to the symbolism of baptism. Baptism is a picture of God's inner work of washing away Sin. Two cross references here. Two two verses that are going to help establish their point. And so let's think about this. Let's talk about this. First of all, they hadn't they haven't proven anything in the preceding paragraph pertaining to just this is all just commentary on one verse. You guys pay attention to this. Young, old, I don't care. This is what you have to do. You are confronted with teaching here, there, and everywhere. You've got to figure out what to believe. I don't want you to believe Erica up here talking. I want you to believe what Scripture says. I don't want you to believe the commentaries. I want you to believe what Scripture says. And so sometimes to understand what Scripture says, we turn to a commentary because some things are tough. Some things are difficult. Some issues are complex. This is not one of them. They have just tried to muddy up the waters and make this a complex issue. Now notice, I will say when it comes to symbolism, uh, that that, that baptism is a symbol and baptism is a picture. I would agree with that. I don't have really a problem with that. But the BKC, that commentary says baptism is only a symbol. Notice it says it must refer to the symbolism of baptism. It's not a reality. There's nothing really going on. It's just a symbol. It's just a picture. But I think Scripture points to this as baptism symbolizes God's work during baptism. So baptism is a symbol. And actually when you are immersed in that moment, when you are immersed and you are picturing the death and burial and the resurrection of Christ... That that is the moment 
when you are going through the picture of it and the symbol of it, that is the moment that actually God does this wonderful work. You don't do a work there, do you? We talk about this, you hold your breath. That's what you do. Somebody else dunks you, that's what you do. You don't do any work, but God does. That was a sermon a few weeks ago. God's work is taking place during baptism or in baptism. That is the case. Baptism symbolizes God's work during baptism. Let's go to this first reference verse they have here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And we're going to have to move quickly here, so follow along. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Such were some of you, sinners, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. All right, so now wait a second. They're, they're saying this is some supporting evidence, some proof that, what did they say? Um, baptism is just a symbol. Baptism is just a picture. Um, so I would ask, first of all, do you see that in that verse? Do you hear that in that verse? Does it say baptism is just a symbol? So it's uh, seeing you start. So let's look at their commentary over here on the right. I've got the, the, a picture of the commentary up. And it says in relation to this, and commenting on these verses, it says, They were washed, dot, 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 by the Spirit. They were washed by the Spirit. They are, they're trying to disconnect the fact that the Spirit is involved in this washing at baptism. They're saying, you're, you were washed by the Spirit. Well, when did that take place? Well, the Spirit was involved in your life the moment you first believed. When you first believed... That was the Spirit. And so obviously you, the Spirit was involved. You had to have been saved at that moment. You were washed at that moment. You were washed by the Spirit. Well, okay, but that's not what... Go back to the verse. Now go back to the verse. What does the verse say? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. All those three actions is happening to you when... It says, connected with, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. The washing, the sanctifying, the justification, which said those are words connected with salvation, right? Those words are connected with this idea, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. In the name of Jesus, in the Spirit of God. Now notice how this verse connects with Second. Or excuse me, with the second chapter, verse 38 of Acts. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, they wanted to be, they were like, what do we do? We're sinners, we killed Jesus. Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That sounds like sins being washed away when you're being immersed in the name of Jesus, doesn't it? Isn't that pretty simple? So simple. Should unite us all. Should unite every denomination out there. It should make denominations want to say, you know what, there's some real simple teaching out there in baptism. And we get into Christ when we're baptized. And when we're all baptized into Christ, then we're all one in Christ. It doesn't make sense that we're in denominations. We shouldn't have different teachings. We should all be one. But instead, they take the very simplest of things and use that to divide people. So anyhow, 
finishing that verse because there's another connection here and it says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to be saved, I would suggest you need the Spirit of God in your life. When do you get that Spirit? When you say a prayer? Um, when you obey the commandment of God to go on into Damascus? And that that's the moment that you receive the Spirit? Well, that hadn't happened yet. Because, well, that's kind of jumping ahead, but I, I didn't make this point in the sermon already, so I'll make it now. Ananias, when he goes to Paul, he doesn't say, you've already received the Spirit. He says, I'm, I was sent to, to put my hands on you so that you can receive your sight and receive, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he hadn't received, he didn't receive the Holy Spirit on the road. That's clear. That's demonstratively clear. So you're talking about things connected with salvation. They're connected with Paul in Damascus when he is instructed what to do. And he was told to arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. So, all right. That fits with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. You look at scripture, all these things fit together. Very simple view of what baptism is. It is a picture. It is a symbol. And in that moment when you submit to baptism, God does His work in you in that very moment. Not because of something. You're not, it's not a symbol of what happened earlier. It happens in that moment, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And according, I would, I would say it suggests that it fits with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. So now let's look at the second reference here. And this one i got to fly, and it's going to leave your head spinning a little bit, but we're going to go through it. So in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Here is this. Uh, it's connected with the stuff that's before it. It's going to be very important. We're going to look at it. But just look at this verse that they referenced here. 1 Peter 3, 21. Corresponding to that. This is type and antitype. Um, corresponding to that, whatever was just said, related to that, there's an analogy here, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now I'm going to focus on, and the, all of the translators do a great job of this. You see dashes in the New American Standard to separate this appositive here in the middle. But if you read it without the appositive, it says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see that, first of all? Main sentence, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice in their notes, this is the BKC again, notice in their notes it says, and this, uh, you know, ho, relative pro pronoun water is the understood antecedent. So they're jumping back to verse 20. They're saying the antecedent is water from the previous verse. But they're saying water symbolizes baptism, baptisma. It says, are you getting all that up there? I made it a little bit too big, didn't I, on the viewer? Water symbolizes baptism. 
I go to the look back over to the left again, and it says, baptism now saves you. Those don't fit at all. They're supposed to, the, the bold words are supposed to be the words from Scripture, and their bold words say, and this water symbolizes baptism. But the verse doesn't say that. So here's an entire translation that I'd ask you to, I'm going to rush through this, but I'm going to ask you to consider this is a bad commentary based upon a bad translation. Here we go. You ready? Pay attention. 1 Peter 3.21 says, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. That's a lot different from, oops, I hit the wrong way. That's a lot of difference from what we saw with the New American Standard. All right? So note, NIV, this water symbolizes baptism. Let's try another translation. ESV, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. That sounds very different. 1 Peter 3.21 in the Lexham English Bible, I like a lot. And also, corresponding to this, Baptism now saves you. It doesn't say water is baptism, corresponds to baptism, which now saves you. They're making, they're adding some words in there in that NIV, trying to make it clear to you what you need to know, what you need to understand, because otherwise you won't figure it out correctly, or you might think something wrong that doesn't fit with their idea of what it should say. And here's the definitive one. <laughs> um, in the Greek New Testament, it says that, which I can't read. But we're going to go back to the Greek in a moment and just see what it really does say. First of all, here, are, here is the preceding verse. It mentions some things about God, and it's a, it's a difficult passage about Jesus went and preached in the Spirit to the souls now in prison, blah, blah, blah. But in verse 20 it says, it talks about the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I bring the New American Standard Bible back up, and I'm going to contend that they say corresponding to that, the word that, they're going to say that goes back to this word water. I'm going to say that the word that corresponding to that is talking about this whole phrase right here corresponding to this stuff about the ark saving eight people through the water, then it is going to, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. So let's look at some words here. I want to point out some clear connections to make the type antitype clear. Make the connection from one verse to the next. First of all, through the water, you see that phrase in verse 20. In verse 21, you say, see, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Working backwards here from the end of the verse. Through the water, 21 says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 20, it says, we're brought safely through, we're brought safely, we're brought safely. And in verse 21, it talks about being saved also. Saves. Those are connected. And in here, in verse number 20, it also says, talks about the ark in which. So it's talking about in the ark. And here it's talking about in baptism. Baptism. These are the words that are connected. And another connection is that in verse 20, a few, eight persons, it's very clear, a few, eight persons 
That's all out of the entire world. Only eight were saved on the ark or in the ark. And here it talks about, but you, you can be saved. So if I could, let me see. I don't remember what my next slide is. I got it. I'm going to connect it here. Notice that basically verse 20 is saying in the ark, a few were saved through water. That's a pretty fair statement. I've changed it a little bit. That's basically the thoughts. In the ark, a few were saved through water. Corresponding to that now, baptism saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a clear, simple explanation of the corresponding parts? That's pretty simple. I'm no genius. I'm decent at English. I was... Uh, Mrs. Mrs. German in, in high school is the one who told me to use one, one line for the sentence or for the subject, two lines for the verb. How many of you remember that? Um, uh, a pot, uh, prepositional phrases, you use the uh, parentheses. So anyhow, that's all I'm doing is kind of breaking down the sentence and seeing what corresponds to what. So that's in the NASB. I don't think you could do that very well with uh, the NIV. All right, so I hope you're having fun and are willing to stay another minute so I can finish this up. This is important. That's not, you know, when it comes to baptism, I think this is the most complex you get to, to see this. Baptism, and notice what you end up with is that baptism saves you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power isn't in the water. The power is in Jesus. And that's the point of baptism, to bring you to Jesus. That's why we talk about baptism, because we want people to come to Jesus. I don't want people to get baptized. I want people to come to Jesus through baptism. I want you to be baptized into Christ. I want you to be clothed with Christ. Jesus is everything. Jesus is the one who saves you. you are. If you submit to baptism, you're not counting on that baptism to save you. But it will if you're submitting to Jesus because it is through Jesus that you're actually saved. His blood. All right. Now, the Greek, I've got the same things here, starting with this. The ark, it's just a box. In the, in the ark, there were a few, and they were thoroughly delivered through water. You see that in verse 20? In the ark, a few, just based upon my underlines in particular, because it's, it's crazy to try and read the Greek order of things, but it's very clear. In, in the ark, and then you go to the circle, few were delivered through water. Next, you now delivers immersion. And those are ver- re- reversed. The, 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 well, describers, and they often get reversed in other languages. So immersion now delivers Immersion is what delivers you through the standing up of Jesus Christ. So now you know what resurrection, what word, what root word it comes up from. Standing up, standing in. And you'll notice in here too that um, this word is very close to what it's translated into. Yeshua, uh, I don't know how to say it in Greek. But Jesus, Christo, Christ. Um, notice with uh, baptism... Baptisma, immersion. That's what baptism means. It's just immersion. That's, it's very simple. 
Um, both words talk about delivered, delivered, few, and you. Um, and uh, down here, notice this word through, connecting these, these ideas. Through is D or die, and up here is through D or die. Um, how are you supposed to say that? Clear connection. They correspond to each other. The entire phrase, the entire thought connects with the other thought. It's not just, as they have tried to say, that, let me get to the next word, NIV says, and this water symbolizes baptism. No, that whole thought symbolizes the previous thought. You can't translate it like that. You can't say just that water symbolizes something. If you were going to do anything, it would make sense if you said the ark symbolizes baptism. It's the ark that's connected with baptism. So in the ark, water came and lifted them up. Water kind of saved them from the sinful world. And now we have the option in baptism that in baptism that we can be lifted up and separated from a sinful world. And it's done through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus. They were saved through water. We're saved through Jesus. Continuing here. Um, let me see how I can get to the end. So notice uh, we're back to 1 Peter 3.21. They make some other comments. I think their commentary is way out of whack based upon their misunderstanding and mistranslation of the verse. Um, I can't get to that. So, Acts 22.16. What it says is this. This is the main verse. We're now back to our original verse, the important verse. Paul was told, now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So if there's anybody here that's not saved, I would encourage you to call upon the name of the one who can save you. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Save me. You're the only one who can save me. Nobody here can save you. You can't save yourself. Turn to God. Trust in Him. Call on His name. Get up. Be baptized. And wash, your, wash away your sins. Calling on His name. Simple verse. The response. It's very simple. Will you obey? Don't take something simple, make it complex, mess it up, make some uh, terrible doctrinal errors, risk the lives of souls who have not been taught how to obey Christ. It's simple. Obey. If anybody needs to respond, you're welcome to come now as we stand together and as we sing this song.